You're listening to Milan's Cancer, a podcast about Milan's cancer. All right, and we're back with a, a next the next one, episode four. Episode four. I hopefully I think this will be. Um, hi, you know who I am, and we're here with. My bestie, Jamie. Howdy. She's a nurse. <laughs> the nurse. The nurse. Um, so we're going to talk, a, we're going to ta- take a deep topic. And this is all from, you know, my perspective. So I'm just going to tell you how it kind of came in to me with the cancer. So I'm diagnosed with breast cancer. And every person diagnosed, I guess, with anything, I would assume, is going to ask this question. And that's... um. Am I going to die? When I was, when they said I had cancer, it wasn't, am I going to die? It was, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to die soon. Um, and then it, and then it's like, as I got more information and, and I was trying to learn more and I was talking to everybody and stuff like that, then it really becomes, am I going to die? And the answer, newsflash. Yes, right? Because no one on the planet is actually We're not, all dying. Died. We're all dying. We're all dying. Um, but it, in my cancer, at least, it, you know, it was a big question. I kept trying to get like a definitive answer because I did want to, they do speak in terms of um, your five year outlook. Is that what they call it? Well, it's so with with cancer, you you are considered in remission after you are cancer free, cancer free, cancer free. That that cancer five year mark or something. Yeah, that five year mark's kind of like a milestone when you're dealing with a diagnosis of cancer. So uh, that's kind of the why they have the projection of five years. To be, I mean, that's a very generic way to explain it, yeah. but the easiest way to explain it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. in previous episodes, we talked about you know the the bad. The Bad Breast Cancer for Dummies book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that did give me yeah. a, a very terrible prognosis for stage three. Like I had a 50-50 shot, you know. Yeah. And Like when you go in and Google something like that, they give you a, the the percentages that they'll give you, like you have a 55 or 65% chance. They base it on that five-year marker. Yeah. So that's why that's kind of important. Yeah. And and what do they call it? Do they call that the prognosis or the diagnosis, the diagnosis is I have breast cancer. Right, your but- prognosis is your percentages, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Your stats, your percentages. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was a big throughout the beginning of this. That was I. I kept asking the oncologist. I kept trying to get um, someone to tell me, you know, what my 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 what do you call it? What you know? What's how my am I going to fare? Yeah. yeah how yeah. am I going to fare in all this? Stage three doesn't. You know, it's interesting. One and two, I think there's actually a stage zero too. Um, but one and two definitely have like a really great percentage. Like 99% of people will be okay with a one and two. Um, three starts to get a little iffy and four is obviously, you know. You got it other, a lot of other places. Yeah, yeah. You got some stuff. You got some hurdles ahead of you. You said something fantastic to me though about the stages. I would love for you to say it right now. Because when mm-hmm. I would talk to you, I was like, when I was waiting for the stage, or I got the stage, you were like, 
I don't focus on the, you said something like, I don't focus on the stage because the treatment really is going to be, you know, there's going to be all kinds of things like your age and how, you know, how young you are and how, you know, your health and how you're, how you're reacting to the chemo and, you know, all those, those, those unknowns really do add into what your outcome's going to be. So you were kind of like, it really doesn't matter what the stage is. Yeah. Stage. It's, that's like the worst thing you want to hear. A, an oncologist or anybody working in oncology, the two questions you don't really are like, I don't know, is um, how long do I got or yeah. what's the prognosis or what would you do? Yeah. And it's hard because it's like, well, this isn't, I, I don't live your life. I don't know what your life is like. You know, your life has so many people attached to it. So what I might do would be very different than what someone else might do. So there's that. And then the prognosis, I've said this before in an episode, you could have three people going through the same cancer. They'll all have three different paths, which is why I love why you're doing this so much because you're not focusing necessarily on your specific treatment or how you're progressing. It's having a diagnosis of cancer is very, I mean, everyone who has a diagnosis of cancer or something that's life-limiting or life-threatening, they have to go through all of these processes that you're going through. They have to tell their family. They have to go through treatment. They have to deal with their body, logistics. So that's why being a little nonspecific about your actual Mm -hmm. diagnosis is so important because everyone who has to deal with cancer, this is- These are universal things. Very universal, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, am I, you know, am I going to die? Yeah. Newsflash. Yes. But not today and not, not necessarily from your breast cancer. Um, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to get real. This is funny because I'm talking in a microphone, but I'm talking to my best friends. I'm going to get real with you. I'm always real with you. But, you know, I have diabetes. I have cancer. I've said this to you. I'm like, come on. How many more of these can I have? Like the, my body can only take so much. I'm, I'm, I deal with this with humor as I deal with everything. So that's my coping mechanism, but I'm scared, you know, that I've run it ragged in a way that like my body is like, look, I can do one. I can't do both and age. Yeah. And all the other things that go through. All the other things. So I'm, I'm, I'm really scared. Um, and th- I guess I'll talk, I'll talk about, about my friend in, in Arizona, my friend who had ovarian cancer at a young age and she currently has a tumor in her brain. And I went kind of right to her when all this was happening. And we are not, um, we talk literally maybe twice a year, you know, six, you know, we know we love each other. I have a few friendships like that where I would still consider them dear, best, whatever you want to call friendships. We don't live in the same area. Um, We don't have to talk all the time, but we are, when I call or when she calls, when we need each other, we're there. And uh, we have a very similar way of coping with things. And so I, I really wanted to lean on her to talk about like, you know, she calls her tumor Edna in her head. Just fantastic because she it's names her name. Yeah. And it's basically, it's growing so, so it's growing very, 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 very little that they're not going to, they're right now. They don't even need to move it. Um, and I, but, but the idea that she's living 
knowing her mortality is so close, you know what I mean? Like is around mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know how to describe it, but it's different than the rest of us walking through life who could die any day yeah. too, but we're not living with something that, you know, really could change things. Yeah. And I kind of felt really connected to her when this happened. One, because she had been through the cancer stuff. Hers was stage two, but two, because she was kind of living in this, you're just really faced with your mortality. Um, and I said, how do, you, how do you do it? And she goes, well, you know, humor is my coping mechanism, which is why I named her, you know? And, and um, we talked a little bit, but throughout our conversation, it was really just about you find a way to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was very universal. Like her situation is this, my situation is that, anyone else's situation could be many things. Stuff you haven't dealt with mentally, stuff you're dealing with mentally. Um, your health could be other scenarios. If I really want to be honest, even my diabetes, this is how I'll say it. Insurance is always going to be the best way to tell you um, <laughs> your value. Like I am almost uninsurable. You're you, pricey. You're I'm pricey. pricey. Yeah. Like if I thought I was pricey before, like diabetics already are pricey because the complications from your disease statistically say you're not going to live as long as as everybody else. Yeah. So life insurance is like you might cost us a lot of money, so we're going to charge you a higher premium. Now I have cancer. I'm like pretty much untouchable. Um. So anyway, it's just one of those things where it's just like I have to really learn to live with the fact that I have some hills ahead of me um, in terms of how long I have on this planet. And in my world now, and I think a lot of you will understand this, how long I have on this planet is different from when I was not married and not had kids. Um, Now it's like, how long will I be able to be with my kids? Will I be able to see them grow up? Will I be able to see them get married? Will I, will I be able to see grandkids? You know, I really, I, I had my kids at an older age, so I'm already, these are, these are stumbling blocks, you know, in front of me that I, I have real fears about. So when I think, am I going to die? As a mom, I, it, really the question is, how long do I have with my kids? I love my husband too. I want to know how long I have with him too, but you know. He's really, pretty cool. He's, he's, he's great. <laughs> but it's like, it really is like, uh, I always go to my youngest, I think because she's my youngest. It's like, how long am I going to have with her and am I going to die? And and uh, so honestly, I mean, for everyone who knows and cares about me, I would say, you know, how I'm dealing with that is, um, again, antidepressants helps keep me balanced and not, not drudge, not not going down a dark hole with it, because as as you said, and anyone in their right mind believes, it's like we're all gonna die. It's about making the right the time the making what you can with the time you have, right? Which is fantastic to say, and Hallmark can make a lot of money off of it in a card, but living it every day yeah. is a little uh, challenging sometimes. Would have been what. What are some other experiences that you've had talking about death? Like, who else have you brought that up to? Uh, Jason a lot, my husband a lot. Um, and mostly it'll, it'll be in a stream of tears. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have setbacks some nights, some early mornings. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I really do wake up in a panic, just really scared. Yeah. 
that I'm going to die. Um, recently with you, I think we were going to one of the we were going to one of the chemos, and I think I said to you know we talked about what to talk to the doctor about in chemo because like I said, the, the doctor comes around at chemo, um, and it was kind of like if this doesn't work, yeah. So if my body doesn't, you know, we went. Here's how it went down. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. Here's how it went down when I got the PET scan, and they said the cancer wasn't anywhere else but in my my left breast and then some of my lymph nodes on that left side. That was relief. But in the sense of like, if it had been somewhere else, we'd be dealing with, we'd be having a different game plan. But all of this is predicated on how I and my, my body reacts to the chemo. So I think I said to you, I was like, you know, what if this doesn't work? What if yeah. it doesn't shrink? Um, you know, what's plan B? Do I have a plan B? When they say we need to see how you react to the chemo, they're basically saying you have a chance, a good chance, but you also have a bad chance, right? Like you have a chance where you might not react. It might not shrink. It's a wait and see game. It's a wait and see, which is awful in cancer. Oh, yeah. And then if it doesn't, like, will they just go in in surgery and just take what they can? You know, will I just do another bout of chemo after that? Like, and, and then there's radiation. Like, um, my doctor, my oncologist is really, really confident that they will be able to shrink it. And um, when the PET scan came back the way it did, she had this real resolve. Um, with I was her. waiting for that PET scan yeah. too. Yeah. And that was actually in the last episode when we talked about my first chemo experience, when she did come in, that's what we talked about. It was like, yeah. had the PET scan, what the PET scan say. Yeah. Um, and she, she was very defiant, like, okay, now we're going to go and kill it. Fantastic. We don't have to change the game plan because it's not anywhere else, but now we're going to go kill it. Uh, we're going to shrink it and we're going to kill it. And then you're going to go into surgery and they're going to basically scrape the rest of it out. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I said to you, I was like, what if it doesn't work? Um, and then what? And um, we talked about it. We did. And it's not comfortable talking about it. But it's very much healing to keep talking about it, to not act like it's not there. Do you think that talking about it helps you feel less alone in dealing with it? Yes. I do think talking about it with you and Jason um, helps me not just not feel alone, it's not just not feel alone, but it's it's like it gives me an outlet to say the stuff that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. And when you're when you when you don't have people that you can have an outlet to say the stuff that no one wants to talk about, then you're just talking to yourself inside your head. And that kind of is worse. Yeah. Because no one is there to comfort you. And you, I think hum humanly, you just go to darker places. Um, and as much as you don't, you know, as, as, the, as the person with cancer, you don't want to put a burden on other people that you love. The people that you love, <laughs> they want, <clears throat> excuse me, 
Sorry, guys. This is another emotional one. They, they, uh, they want to do that for you. Yeah. They w- Everyone wants to help the people who love you the most show that they'll help by talking to you about what you're scared of the most. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in your life that want to do that, but you can't do it with everybody. You know, yeah. you just can't. Um, emotionally, you can't do it with everybody, but you do need to have a couple of people that you can say the things that you're not supposed to say. Yeah. Um, even if it's just a release. So earlier in episodes, I talked about like some people in my life were strong and we're not even going to go there. And that's fantastic. And I need that at that time. But sometimes I do need to go there. Yeah. And I need to talk about, I might die. Yeah. And I'm scared. And saying it out loud makes it real. Um, and I guess I guess you could say anyone dealing with anything life altering or losing someone or something like that. They need to have at least one person that they can say all the stuff that they're scared of. Yeah. I don't not all you you did so well. I love the knife, the fork and the spoon <laughs> thing cuz it's so true like not everyone's comfortable talking about death. No. Um, or dying or the, the the scary things. I have an amazing therapist and she talks about negative thoughts and talks about when you have them and um, a, a, allowing them something that's very healthy to do as a person. We all have negative thoughts and it's allowing them to be fluid and allowing them to come into your mind, but then also maybe not fixate, you know, think about it, process it a little and then let it go. And being able to do that when you're in it all alone, it, it just keeps, it stays in there and spiral, spiral, spiral. When you're, when you, someone gives you, whether it's Jason or a friend, gives you the opportunity to actually say it, it's helping those thoughts ebb and flow in and out because it's inevitable you're going to have them. Yeah. You, at the end of the day, I guess it's really an, 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 an homage to, um, I don't know if that's what you're using that right word, but to therapy, if we were built to not say, to be, to be healthy and be okay without saying it out loud, then no one would need therapy. Right. We wouldn't and have to have chats and talk about we wouldn't it. Have and, to, yeah. We wouldn't be built like that. And some yeah. people maybe aren't. I would argue though <laughs> that therapy should be something that everyone has. Yeah. <laughs> I personally think it should be like math, science, reading, and therapy. Um, I think the stigmas around therapy sometimes, uh, you know, I, it breaks my heart because the truth is it's just talking and someone else really listening. Um, and I truly think that we are built as people that we have to release things. And even chemically, you have to think about it too. Like your body is built to pass gas. You know, your <laughs> Get body is built Get to poop. Your body is built to pee. Your body is built to take in um, your kidneys filter, yes, your liver like filters. take the right nutrients out and get rid of the excess. We're built to always take what we need and let go of what we don't. The same is true of your mind. Yeah. And that's what, um, you know, 
therapy, I think, kind of does. And this right now, what we're doing, I said to you, I was like, the truth is there's kind of several reasons why I wanted to do it. One, one is because, again, I'm blessed to have so many fantastic friends and family. And going through this, a lot of people are trying to give me space to heal and, and go through my treatment. I have family in Wisconsin too, and I can't tell them all of these stories. I can't keep telling these stories over and over again. That's exhausting. You'd be on the phone all day. All day. That would be my job. Yeah. So I said, you know, it kind of would be a hoot. We recorded these stories and this experience, so anyone who cares, yeah, they can hear it yeah. flat out. You know, I'm going to truly be an open book. Um, but also, this is therapy. Yeah. To kind of to have a a a recording of of what I'm going through. This is my diary that I'm talking to my friend about my experience. You actually came home yesterday kind of pooped. Yes. Because I didn't give you steroids. They right. only gave you anti-nausea. And after the fact, you were like, wow, I've actually I got a little energy. Yeah. After we finished. Everyone listening, we, we did our third chemo yesterday and um, they were giving me light chemos. So they didn't give me as many steroids. And uh, so I came home and I was, I was more tired than I usually am. And uh, we, James was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, you know, why not? Let's just try. And as we kept talking, I got more energy. And I said to you, I was like, that was cathartic. Yeah. You could visually almost see you like getting energy. Getting energy. Yeah. 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 Just talking about it. Basically documenting my experience. Yeah. Um, and also working through my experience in my head by talking to you and telling you what's happening. And um, yeah. So talking about death is not easy. I should, we should preface because we should talk about your your history with um, your job. So, well, why you're so comfortable talking about oh, God. death? Got it, got it. So, um, my background is a pediatric nurse, like mostly oncology, but then PICU, NICU, a little bit of transplant, and then I got connected to a pediatric hospice here in LA, um, and helped build a program. That's hospice, palliative care, concurrent care for kids with life-limiting, life-threatening illnesses. Um, so I go in and and help take care of kids at home that have a life-limiting illness. So it's not um, uncommon for me to have conversations around dying or around um, tricky diagnosis Um symptom management those type of things like it's kind of my wheelhouse and comfortable oddly enough i mean i'd rather be comfortable with curtains and pillows but <laughs> <laughs> for years here we are here we are and she's and so everyone knows she's amazing at it i mean imagine a family dealing with the worst possible situation which is a dying child and she goes in and talks them through how to manage deal and what future plans they want to make and how they want to live. And she really, she's like an eight, like a, this is a terrible analogy. She's like a beautiful usher in a movie, <laughs> taking them from one seat to the next. That's so they're sweet. not alone. Um, and we, for years before we were ever with our people and our, in our families and stuff like that, when we were just young single dummies, uh, we would talk about, that job a lot because I was fascinated how you did that. She, you know, how she would go to these homes, she talked to these families and she had a, a plan of working with the families while they were going through the death 
and then after and then after the death and also the amount of time she would need and the staff that she had underneath her you know to kind of take breaks mm-hmm. right like you're you're dealing with some heavy stuff and men- mentality wise she'd have to kind of really and she would have, she'd have these fantastic stories we'd see a psychic or she'd see a psychic and the psychic <laughs> would always be like you know you have hundreds of <laughs> young like, people a, of there's like a lot of little, little angels kids, around little you. angels around just you know just <laughs> thankful that you were there for their loved one you know their parents and and siblings and you know and it's just like you just like they'd be like but they're not relatives i don't know yeah, who these just, people all are these people she helped I, I just remember thinking i was like i gotta hitch my 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 cart to this one because if anyone's making it into heaven it's this one she's oh, so Lord. it's interesting so we've had a lot of deep conversations over the yeah. years it's something we do well is deep conversations and so i knew that you could talk about death yeah. in a really meaningful way and not you know get freaked yeah. out by it because yeah. it's it's scary yeah um so yeah uh it's 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 an outlet continues to be an outlet being able to talk about um my fears that they're real and i don't have to live in a world or every day like in my i'm gonna die fear but i do need some some moments in time where i need to say like okay this might happen yeah and i'm scared um or this might happen and i'm nervous that Abby won't know me or this might happen and I really want you to Jason would probably save this part really want you to move on after me if that happens or this might happen you might want to think about moving closer to your parents you know what I mean like having these real conversations about you know what what my desires would be if the worst did happen um I think every couple should do it yeah it's not easy but I, I you know your partner should definitely know what you would want for them if something were to happen. Um, recently, my grandmother died too. My mother lost her mother, and we talked about that too. And you know, knowing, knowing the you know things that they don't want. Like I don't want to go. With, I don't want tubes. Mm-hmm. I don't want you know to die mm-hmm. in a hospital. You know, again, all tough conversations. But um, you find the right people, and you have those those really cathartic conversations. And then you're kind of giving a few people like a piece of you. Right. Yeah. Like if something happens, you got the keys, you know, um, and then also there's a level of deeper trust you gain too. like, I know I gave I gave you some intel. I know I gave Jason yeah. some intel. And, and again, it's all about not I don't feel as I don't feel by myself in that. Yeah. Well, you've had two kids, right? Yes. And you, <laughs> for both of them, you kind of had a little bit of a birth plan, if you will. Yes. yes. Now, and, and here's the thing. A birth plan, you know, I we've ta- we talked about yes. that too. It's like, you know, you sometimes you got to just kiss the birth plan goodbye because it's yep. just not going to work out that way and that's okay. But you plan for it. You plan for that birth. There's not every death you can plan for. There's deaths that just happen suddenly and you can't plan. What you're dealing with is a little bit of a different scenario. So I, I look at it, maybe it's a weird analogy, but like you come up with a birth plan, you come up with doodly doodly do this list of your this would be perfect that I look at that when you talk to someone about death and dying you're getting into their head about what they would maybe want it to look like if that if if we have to go down that path yeah so it's that it give like you said you're giving us intel you're giving us wishes because that's you only get to do it once 
And you so, don't get a makeup. No, you don't get a makeup. And and that's with my patients <coughs> and even more so with a friend. Like I, you know, I would always go into a, a patient's, you know, when they would come into our care, like we don't get do-overs. You know, if we give bad service, families never forget that. And so with you as my friend, when you have those spaces where you want to talk about something like that, that's my insight to your psyche and like what you're thinking and feeling. And we don't, I don't ever want to have to pull that out of my back pocket. But if I have to, I know where your head's at. Well, let's let's to all my friends and family that might be listening to us. Let's tell them what my plan. My here's what here's what I want. Here's, <laughs> you know, hopefully I won't go too soon. But if someone were to happen, I would like to be cremated. There you I go. I want to be buried in the ground somewhere. Um, I want my ashes spread, you know, in whatever places you guys think. But I don't want anyone keeping me in an urn on their mantle or anything like that. Um, my husband can move on. <laughs> You probably, you know, do whatever I want. I want him to be happy um, and, and, and whoever he wants to be with after that. Um, I would like her to be nice. And I probably would prefer if she wasn't prettier than me. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I want my kids to be happy and healthy. And um, if he finds someone nice, I want them to love my kids. Um. I very much am scared of my youngest because she does have autism and I just really, really want her to, to be self-sufficient and have all the things in life that everybody gets, which includes going to school, having a career, getting married. Like, you know, I, I just want her to be happy um, and I want her to remember me in case I go too soon. I really do want her to, I want others to tell them about me and I don't want, this is something from TikTok, don't, don't lie to her. <laughs> She'll see right through it. I don't light up the room with my smile. I'm, I'm, I got, I got some, some corny jokes, and sometimes I'm petty as hell. Um, but but yeah. you tell the best stories. But I do tell That's good true. stories. That's true. And I'm, I'm. Some would say I'm kind of funny. Um, but yeah, those are, those are. That's what I want. You know, in, in my, in my funeral, I want to be a celebration of, of. Um, Everything that just all makes, the good stories, oh yeah, all the, everything that makes me just a terribly flawed human, <laughs> but fun to be around. You as know? we all are, yeah. as we all are. So, so that's the that's our kind of am I gonna die talk. I think the next thing I think that kind of transitions well in this is talking to your kids. Yes, about cancer. Yes. So we I've said it several times. I have a three year old um, who's about to be four and a six year old. And unfortunately, the three-year-old, you know, this is a little bit above her. Uh, she is autistic, so communication is is difficult. Um, I think she does understand something has changed. Mommy's mm -hmm. home even more. Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's concern. The she, schedule's off. Yeah, she 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 knows. She feels something's different. But James, my six-year-old, you know, I can have real conversations with him. So I started off saying, me and Jason sat him down, and we did say, we we're like, mommy's sick. And we're going to work to get mommy better. And so she might have some things happen to her, but we're going to have to help mommy. Like she's going to, she may lose her hair. And James, first, I think the first, we did it in, we did it in, in pods. Yeah. You can only keep a six-year-old's oh, attention yeah. for oh, so yeah. long. And so the first thing we did was the pod for one was, I think we said, mommy's sick. And, and James's reaction was, oh no, are you going to be okay? And I said, well, <laughs> We're going to hope so. And he goes, okay, do you want to play Minecraft? 
you know, again. Which, by the way, is an absolutely normal yeah. response. Like that now he's done talking about it. So it's time to move on. Yep. That's a very normal response. Yep. For you, don't, you don't need to. You don't need to douse them in water with it. No, nope, no. Nope. Lightly lay the pieces. Little like, seeds. Mommy's little seeds. sick. Yep. We're going to try to work on it. The next uh, round that I did was I got some cancer kids books. And I started reading one was like BK's Mommy Has Cancer. And it talked about how, you know, she went through chemo and she lost her hair. And sometimes she was really tired. And so sometimes the character in the book had to play games with mommy in bed. And we talked through it. We, we read that together as one of our stories at night. And then we, um, uh, then afterwards I would go, you know, I have the same thing that BK's mommy has, mm -hmm. you know, and he goes, cause you have the cancer. Cause he's like, Related you have the, the cancer. cancer. <laughs> and I go, yeah. And he goes, so you're going to be bald. And I said, maybe. And he goes, wow. I go, yeah, I know. Cause I have a really small head. So. You're gonna have to help me, but I was like, "But I got wigs." And he was like, "Yeah, you do. You have wigs." Yeah. Um, and then he said, um, "Well, I'm sorry you have the cancer. I love you, you know." Yeah. Um, and I said, "I love you too, and I'm sorry I have the cancer too. But we're gonna work hard to see if we can get mommy better." And then he went to bed. That was another kind of pod. Yep. Um, and then throughout that, we just, I think. I, I actively tried to just kind of infuse cancer into this is a part of our life now. Yep. Yep. Not That's to be perfect. scared of, yeah. you know. You're going to your cancer treatment. I'm going to go my cancer treatment. Yeah. And he, and that was his way. He could start, first I thought, in my mind, I thought he could start using the word more uh -huh. and not have this like stigma. Stig yeah. Oh God, the cancer. Yeah. So then he, you know, then as a, as a six-year-old would do, he would, you know, would get him married for school one morning and he would go, Mommy, you don't look like you have the cancer today, you know? <laughs> so got him more comfortable using it. He always calls it the cancer. Um, and then I would start my, I start my treatments. And I was like, well, mommy, my mommy's going to go to chemo. She's going to you know, get help for her cancer. Okay. You're getting, yeah. help, for, you're getting, yeah. getting help for your cancer. Yep. So I've tried to make it not so scary yeah. for him. Yep. And also really, you know, it's a part of our lives right now. And that's okay. Yeah. And then I, um, I did... I did write a I did write an email to his teacher telling her I had breast cancer and to Abby I told Abby's teachers in person at drop off um and they were all very obviously sympathetic but um I just kind of was like you know they might have weird reactions yeah. these next couple months I told I told I told uh James's teacher I said you know I don't really think he's going to understand how this is affecting me until I, like like if I lose my hair yeah and it, you know, and you never know how a kid's going to react. He might be angry. He might be really sad. He does get a little more sad now. He knows cancer is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, the cancer. He knows that. But I'm trying to make him understand that if this is something I'm going to go through and I'm going to come out of and we're going to be okay. Um, but I know that he's going to have feelings and outbursts and thoughts. So I do. I did want the people around him to know what he might be going through at home. Yeah. Jason, love of my life, husband over here, he was telling parents at drop-off, you know, at pickup, <laughs> you know, or at pickup, not drop-off, but like, you know, the parents all kind of wait for the class to come out. And Jason's usually primary, so he's usually picking up. And he would come home. He's like, yeah, I told so-and-so. I told so-and-so, you know, and I'd be like, 
And he goes, no. and I'd be like, is there anyone who doesn't know I have cancer at this point? And he's like, I don't think so. No, they all know. Yeah, they all I'm know. pretty sure that teacher told the rest of the team. I, yeah. I think they all know, you know. So I got lovely. I got a card from one of the moms. Um, if she's if she ever hears this, we we call her like she's a great mom. Like she's she's gorgeous and she's volunteers for everything and she knows it. She's fantastic. Um, but she sent me a lovely card. Like anything you need, let me know. And um, again. Everybody kind of has the same, you know, they either have an experience with someone who has cancer and they're, you know, very sorry that we're dealing with it. Um, but the good thing is, is, is a lot of people don't treat it like the end of the world or yeah. you're going to die next week. They really yeah. do treat it like yeah. your like, family's right, going through a need? struggle. Yeah, yeah. What do you need? What can, how can I help? Yep. yep. What, what do you, you know? Do you have a meal? Do you have a meal train? Yeah. Can I get, you know, that kind of thing? Um, and I would say to everyone who's listening, um, that's a fantastic way as the, again, as the patient. It's a great way to treat me, to yeah. just know that like I'm, I, the, our family is going to be going through something for a minute, um, and give maybe us some we'll, grace. Yeah, give us some grace. Yeah, <laughs> especially to the teachers, to James's teachers. <laughs> like, give us. We might not, we might not do all the work the right way because we're dealing with some stuff. But to everyone, it, you know, it's not. It's great to not have that. Like, oh, oh my god, you know, and just get way too, you know, it's not a death sentence. Um, yeah hopefully. And so, you know, everyone's just kind of like had this great reaction of like, how can I help? You let me know if you need anything. Um, uh, just really good, good people. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I should say about, you know, telling your kids. I can't think of anything. I can't either. I mean, you've been doing it all the right ways. I, you know, well, time will tell. We're still going through it. No. Yeah. <coughs> I am. You've prepared. planted. You've planted good seeds. Yeah. Which is. I'm prepared for. I'm. I'm. You know. I am concerned. I don't want James to get. You know, James could get angry. Yeah. Get really angry at the world because his mommy is sick. Um. So I am trying to. Keep up. Now here's the great thing. So you come out right. You come yes. out for oh, ten days. Oh, yeah, two yeah. chemo treatments. Yeah. I think that is fantastic for James too, because all these people we love are coming in. Yeah. And you like know, to help buddy. out. Yeah. And James's room, <laughs> in my house set up, uh, James's room has kind of become the place that we put people because he has a bunk bed. Yeah. Abby needs a space of her own. She can't really share spaces. Um, and James can easily come sleep in bed with me and Jason. But so with Jamie coming in, she's been here for two sessions, 10 days. Had a blast. She's sleeping on the bottom bunk yep. of the six-year-old's bunk bed. I've never seen James so excited to go for bedtime because he gets to sleep on the top bunk. He'll come and check on me and make sure I'm headed to bed soon. So yeah, I'm like, going to bed at like 8.30. Are we going to bed? <laughs> and, then, and Jamie throughout this time will say like, he'll, he'll wake up in the middle of the night or something like, Jamie? <laughs> Hi, honey. I'm still here. I'm right here. Okay. <laughs> so before you got here, you know, James would get scared at night sometimes and he'd come in the middle of the night and jump to bed with us. Since Jamie's been here, good lord, <laughs> that boy is ready for bed and he's ready for slumber party yep. time with Jamie. We brush our teeth, no problems. Yeah, good she's, times. She's bunking up with him too. I love it. Yep. That room is not big, and Jamie has made her way in there. She found a few places to put some pants. She's yep. got a suitcase. Yep, he gave me some space. Get, yeah. So, and after you, um, my dad's ex-wife is going to come in. Very dear to me, Carol. And she'll probably be in there too. But what I'm, what I'm trying, and, and my mom, what's great is there's, you know, he usually gets people, gets my grandma or whatever at his birthday and Abby's birthday or like the holidays or yeah. something. 
But because of what's happening, people are coming in to kind of help out. James is having a blast yeah. seeing people and, yeah. you know, and he lo he loves people. He loves having people here with us. So I kind of think that's made cancer kind of okay for him. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure because Jamie leaves tomorrow. I'm pretty sure he's going to be like, when's Jamie coming back? <laughs> you know? Well, and, and as the friend, as friends, you're not, we're, we, we are very much here for you. But we're here for your family too. You know, we're here for Jason. We're here for your kids. Um, and that's important to remember. Like yeah. you're a unit and we all want to support. You know, I know I reached out to Jason after I found out. And I know a bunch of your other friends have kind of said, hey, we're not just here for Milan. We're here for you too. And yeah. The um, A couple episodes back, I told you about the, a coworker who put me in touch with a breast cancer survivor friend of hers. And she gave me a great story about that. Like um, with hers, I think it, she said her sister-in-law came by every Sunday for like six months. And she brought a dish uh -huh. for them to eat every Sunday. And then she would take, we'll talk about the rhythms of chemo, yeah. but basically the Sunday on her rhythm was a down day for yeah. her. So she would come, the sister-in-law came in every Sunday, sister or sister-in-law, I can't remember. Um, and then she would bring the dish and she'd take her kids, her sis, the, the sister's kids and her kids, and she'd go out in the backyard. And they'd open up the window in her bedroom so she could see the backyard. Yeah. But then she would have the kids play for a few hours. Yeah. Every Sunday for six months. Yeah. That, yeah. I was floored. I was like, that is beautiful. Yeah. It's creating those spaces of, I mean, if you want to call it normalcy, that's kind of weird because what's normal, but like creating a normalcy or like a level of stuff not about cancer yeah living yeah. life and doing things and experiencing things and connecting to people like that's huge and giving the kids the cousins yeah every week to have that yeah. time and again like the, the, this journey this cancer it's, it's gonna it's a it's a marathon as you yeah. keep saying to me not a sprint so you know everyone you know everyone's gonna have a lot of stuff to do in the beginning but i was so floored by the fact that she continued it for like six months yeah that's yeah. like real, that's love. Yeah. And gave the dad a break, gave mom a break. And and I mean, not everyone can do that. And I'm not saying people should aspire for that, but you know, if you can, or if that's, in, if that's something you could do, that's, that's the most beautiful thing I think ever. Yeah. Um, is, is making sure you're there for, um, the other people in the unit. Yeah. So a lot of people in my life have really, they've been basically ready to beat poor jamie up if she doesn't get a meal <laughs> literally meal literally. train situation yes. together but um people at my work too they you know they really want to give something to the to us as a family yep. and that's food and dinner and doesn't have to worry about you know cooking that night and yep. so yeah that's 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 talking to the kids and uh, making sure they're okay and that's that's how we're going to try to do it i'll gonna let you know as i go how it's going, but that's how we're gonna try to do it. We're gonna try to just get the word, get the stigma off the word cancer. It's added to a part of our life, and then um, and talking about death and talking about all of the awkward, weird things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we I, all do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's I, like I, pooping. We all do it. <laughs> I think, I think James, you know, and kids are kids listen to a lot of stuff oh, too. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. while I would not feel comfortable at this point talking to James about 
uh, my death. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. We had a pet die, so we did get to talk a little bit about what death is. I know James is astute enough to hear some of my breakdowns with Jason, and I know he's heard some of it. I know he knows I'm sad sometimes. I, I, I'm, he's not yeah. un, He's not oblivious. Yeah. And I don't parent trying to completely shelter him from feelings. Yeah. Um, Jason and I are really good about the fact that we believe that kids should see parents have feelings and all the emotions because you have them. You have them. And you shouldn't be afraid to cry. And James is, you know, shouldn't be, J, dad, J, Jason has cried. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you're, there's, it's okay to be scared. It's okay. All those things are okay. So, yeah. Giddy up. That's our show. That's our, I think that's our fourth show. Fourth episode. You've been listening to Milan's Cancer. For more information, go to www.milanscancer.com. That's M Y L A N S. C-A-N-C-E-R dot com.